Hi everybody, it's Nick here and welcome to this episode of NJ Confidential. We'll be down on the farm with Tom. Really excited about today's episode because it's the first one that comes with a YouTube video as well. Now, I didn't just video the podcast, it's actually different. So please, when you've had a listen to this one, follow the link that's in the blurb and get along and have a look at the video. It's a really good walk around uh, the kitchen garden and the fields and Tom explains uh, everything about what they do and how they do it. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. It's been really exciting. Um, All the other websites and everything is in the blurb for you. So please, again, have a look at that as well. If you want to contact, if you want to look at some more photos, go to Instagram. It's njconfidential74 and have a look at a few photos. I really hope you enjoy this one. Hi and welcome to this episode of NJ Confidential. Well, this week uh, we're down on the farm. Uh, We're down on the farm with Tom. So I'm going to introduce Tom to you in a moment. There's a couple of things with this one though, because this is the first podcast that actually comes with a video as well. So if you have a look in the blurb, um, I've got some links there to the videos uh, and uh, also an Instagram link, uh, which will uh, show you a couple of photographs as well uh, of the farm that we're down so um look the the, the talking is going to be done by uh, tom mostly today so tom welcome along hello how you doing um tom um we, we're down on the it's a lovely day today actually so it's we've been really lucky with the weather i think to start with that's the that's the first thing um you've shown me around the farm we've done this we've done this video can you tell me um i, I want to know what it's all about but i want to know what got you to this position in, in particular, why you're doing it, what you're doing. Tell me everything. Okay, everything. <laughs> Away <laughs> you go. You're in trouble. Tell me the lot, <laughs> the whole lot. Go for it. Well, many, many, many years ago, um, I always had an interest in gardening. Um, and when I was about, oh, I was I must have been 10 years old, I used to dig up compost out of the woodland or the leaf litter, um, bag it up and set it at the bottom of my driveway. And that was kind of my interest. That was my young, young entrepreneur. <laughs> young entrepreneur. <laughs> that was the kind of start to my kind of yeah. horticultural career. Um, when I was sitting at the bottom of the driveway, I got to meet a few uh, people in the village who were busy working and they didn't have time to look after their gardens and ask if I mow their lawns or cut their hedges. Yeah. Uh, and that was the start of my little tiny kind of gardening business. Um, I was earning about 80 quid a week when I was probably 14 years old. Wow. Uh, and then... Then I obviously had to go to school. I found school very difficult anyway. I hated school, every mm. single bit of it, apart from, um, luckily, Oak Hall Community College, where I when it was my secondary school, there was a farm on the site. Brilliant. Um, yeah. I'd always been involved in kind of farming, but only as uh, as a young teen, young kind of teenager then. Yeah. Um, local farmers asked if I'd go and drive the tractor for them and chain her of the field or help them with lambing or... <laughs> Loading up bales. So, so you're 14, 15, driving tractors around as well? Yeah, you're legally, oh, yeah, yeah. you can legally drive. You can, yeah. You'll be that surprised. You'll, 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 yeah, you'll, yeah. you'll see, you'll be stuck behind some pretty huge tractors these days with 40 tons behind and they'll be driven by a 13-year-old, which is slightly worrying. Um, so, yeah, I, was, I, think I, was about yeah. Ten, I think I was about 12 years old and I was driving driving smaller tractors off-road and, and things mm. and uh, a lot of... A lot of uh, Loading up trailers with, with uh, hay bales and straw bales, helping with lambing, some pig work as well, a bit of chickens, help some gamekeepers if uh, when I wasn't poaching their pheasants, so I'd end up right. helping them with, with the birds. Um, and that's how I kind of got, got into kind of horticulture and agriculture. 
Um, as things got on and, and I was kind of stuck at school as I considered it being, um, stuck in lessons for an hour on a day like today uh, and you know, teachers, bless them, trying to feed me information for me to learn what I'm supposed to learn when I'm at school. Mm. And all I could think about was looking out the window, seeing a nice sunny day, thinking I could be in an 80 quid today. Yeah. Because yeah, I, but yeah. I was stuck at school. I knew exactly what I wanted to do, which was pretty unlike many most other teenagers. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. School yeah. was now just in the way. I needed to get out. I wanted to go and earn money. I wanted to start my business. Yeah. yeah. So I left school, um, eventually left school. Um, I managed to stay at school a lot of the time. Um, I did was a bit naughty at school. I was a disruptive pupil, as they're called now. Yeah. Um, I, I'm dyslexic. Um, I hated being stuck in class. Uh, luckily, like I say, we had a farm on site, so I spent a lot of my time bunking off, hiding on the farm. Um, I got very good at identifying when animals were going to give birth as well. So what had happened is um, one of my lessons at school was farming, NVQ, level one in agriculture. Yeah. Luckily, I did it at school, which I absolutely adored. Uh, a teacher was called Mr Wood. He was brilliant. And um, so... I got a very good identifying when animals are likely to give birth. So if I had maths or science, or actually science I didn't mind, but maths, English, sort of kind of boring <laughs> lessons, or yeah, French yeah. even worse, I would uh, I would kind of think, well, my next lesson's French, and I hate French. So, well, what's likely to give birth? And I'd look around, and I'd see some, some ewes raising their head and raking at the ground, thinking, oh, they'll be soon. They'll be soon. I yeah. reckon in the next half an hour she's going to be giving birth. So as everyone else was getting changed and going off to, to French, I would disappear and go and hide. I'd hide in the hay bales, and once everyone had gone, I'd jump out and help the ewe give birth. Yeah. By the time a teacher came down and found me, I was normally covered in after birth, after birth with two twin lambs or something, <laughs> so there's no way I could go back to yeah. lesson. Uh, I did the same with the pigs and things as well. Um, but that was kind of my saviour. If I hadn't had the farm at school, I would have bunked off and not gone in and eventually been expelled or yeah. something. Yeah. So it kind of really saved me. And I didn't think anything of that back then, uh, just the way I managed mm. my school life. I left school. I remember standing in a, in a, in a queue for my last exam, uh, and a teacher came around, Mr Jarvis, he was, his name was, and he was the head of our year. He's speaking to everyone. He says, our very last exam before we left school forever. That was, this is the last one. And yeah. it was kind of a very exciting moment for me. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah. that I was going to do very well in the exam at all. I'd already resigned myself to that. Um, but I knew exactly what I wanted to do, so much so that I was being picked up after the exam by my new boss and I was going to start my apprenticeship right. in, okay. in decorative horticulture. So this teacher came around and he, he hated me anyway. Um, but he asked all these other pupils, what are you going to do? And if something, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to study this, I'm going to... And it's all fine. And he got to me and he said, oh, Tom, what are you going to do? You know, kind of sarcastic phrase and I said well <laughs> when I finish this exam I'm being picked up and I start my apprenticeship as a decorative horticulturalist and his words were good we always need someone to shovel dirt and instead yeah. of yeah. And, and it, it, <laughs> rage kind of washed over me slightly and the red mist nearly came down well no no I, I won't raise dirt yes sir yeah. we, we all need someone to shovel dirt that's fine yeah he said, I'm going to be the best at it. Words that stay with you, though, aren't they? They really? do so, and that yeah, stayed yeah. with me. Yeah. But that was, instead of that getting me down, I used that to fuel the fire. Good. So I did my three-year apprenticeship. At the age of 18, I started my own business. Uh, I was called the Naked Gardener. Um, always trying to raise eyebrows with uh, what yeah. I do. Um, I, I saw the sign. There. It's, it's in the, it, yeah, it's I saw the, the sign. And there, you're, yeah. you're, you're, I'll come to the reason why that sign's in the back in a minute. Is it going to be resurrected? <laughs> no, no, it's a reminder uh, yeah. that things can go wrong and you can still pick yourself up and, and carry on. Yeah. Uh, so I started the Naked Garden. The reason I called it the Naked Garden is because I quickly identified that 
there was lots of gardeners and landscapers around, but they were all called that's Dave's Landscape, LP Landscape, yeah, so and so yeah, garden. Yeah. They were boring. Yeah. Uh, and you see those vans drive past, you didn't pay any attention. If a big old van drives past with the words naked gardener yeah, in on, yeah, you yeah. tend to second look at it and it stays in your mind. And that's what I wanted to, I wanted to be able to talk about it. I wanted to be able to gossip about it because I knew that gossip spread <laughs> and gossip is free. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's free absolutely. advertising. Yeah, yeah. So I quickly found out yeah. that's what I uh, identified that's what I wanted to do. Also, it was the same time as the naked chef, Jamie Oliver, came out. Right. And I thought, he seems to be doing right yeah. for himself. I'll jump on that bandwagon. Yeah. So. I started the naked garden. I started by looking after old ladies' gardens, mowing. I'd, I'd mow probably 15, 20, 50 gardens a day sometimes and then do a bit of weeding and hedge cutting. Um, and I did that for you know, three years. And then uh, one old lady, Mrs. Batty, her name was, um, her doorstep was a bit knackered and crumbling to pieces. She said, could, could you build me a new doorstep? Of course I can. So I built her a new doorstep. Instantly, she was called Mrs. Batty, and, that, and she was fully Batty. She, she was, was crazy, but she was brilliant. I loved Lived her. Lived up to her name. Uh, yeah. I remember all the old days I used to look after, yeah. and they're all lovely, amazing people. Uh, and they always tipped me, and always really good with the tea, and oh, a lovely, lovely yeah. strong boy coming to do the garden, and I loved it. Um, so I built a doorstep mm. for her. Um, my, dad, my dad's a bricklayer, and I spent most of my kind of childhood mm. working for my dad as well. So every kind of weekend, some holidays, Easter holidays, I was working for my dad or yeah. doing my own mowing rounds. At the end of some holidays, I'd have two two grand in the bank, and I'd be riding back in school on a brand yeah. new mountain bike. So, I quickly learned that grafting hard did pay off. So I built this doorstep, um, and then one of the other old ladies, a friend of hers, said, "Oh, you can, you can do brickwork. Could you repair my wall?" <laughs> I repaired her wall. Walls you know, walls got bigger. They turned into retainer walls. The doorsteps turned into patios. Patios got bigger. Patios turned into driveways. Driveways yeah. turned into roads. Roads turned into houses. And before I knew it. Um, 14 years later, I was landscaping like four or five acre gardens, building bespoke tree houses, oh, patios, wow. roads, driveways. Um, and then it was going great. I had four, four people working for me. We had three vans, a truck, trailer, diggers, dumpers, work booked up two years ahead. Um, I bought my first flat at the age of 21. One of the goals I set myself was that I wasn't going to ever rent anywhere. Um, I'd see my mum and dad rent all their life and just... yeah. Just thought it was a waste of money. Yeah, <laughs> thought yeah, I didn't yeah, want to yeah. buy bricks and mortar. I knew every one of every older person I'd spoken to just, you know, get buy bricks and mortar. You'll never lose money in bricks and mortar. Yeah. Dad was a bricklayer and he'd always tell me, Don't ever be a don't ever be a builder. Every farmer always tell me, Don't ever be a farmer. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'll be a gardener in between, I'm gonna try and make me live in that way. Yeah. So I worked really hard, um, from seven in the morning till in the summer, I'd come back, have my dinner, go back out again, I'd get back when I mean, it was dark, so sometimes 10 wow, o'clock. Yeah, yeah. And I earned enough money to buy myself my first flat, a one-bedroom flat, shared ownership scheme, but I managed to get, oh, I, I, I owned part of it, it was mine. Yeah. I moved in, um, and then 2009 came along. Um, and within, I think within about two weeks of it being in the paper about the recession, the house prices dropping and redundancies and everything else, I had about six months' work cancelled in two weeks. Mm. Not a problem. I've got about a year work booked up ahead, but then within four weeks, no, nearly a year's worth of work had cancelled, and every yeah. kind of big landscaping job had cancelled. I still had five blokes working for me, and we had some maintenance contracts, and then they were cutting back as well, and some of the places were closing down, and it was really starting to take effect. So, mm. um, I then didn't have enough money. I was young and a bit silly. I didn't put any amount of money away for a rainy day, like all the all the old boys had taught me. Yeah. Didn't put any money away, so it, it kind of it was a very stressful time, and 
I, um, I nearly lost the flat. I lost the business, went bankrupt. Managed to keep the flat in the end because the, well, the house prices had dropped as well, so it wasn't worth any more than yeah, what I brought course, it for. Yeah, so yeah. I managed to keep that. Managed to pay the mortgage, um, but some pretty dark times there. And then that's when the kind of depression really kind of hit. Yeah. Uh, and I always thought I was too strong to ever get depressed or suffer from depression. But that, you know, when something you've worked so hard for is kind of taken from you and, and you've lost it and you can't yeah. figure out why and you're, you're angry with yourself um i got in a really quite a dark place um but all i know I, and, I, and i remember when i i went to court that was, i went to court to try and argue the fact to keep my flat and i rocked mm. up and i don't even remember parts of it i was drinking a lot of rum at the time and um it was a really dark time i turned up at the, the courthouse and as i walked through the door i said my name and this lady said, oh, okay, have you got representation? I was like, no, I can't afford representation. Mm. Little did I know that it was actually going to be paid for because I didn't earn any money. Uh, so this lady came and said, well, I'm the local sister. I will represent you. Let's have a, we're adjourning the, the, the hearing for another hour so we've got time to talk it through. And then we're going and um, we're sorted out. And I had no idea how any, any of this stuff worked. Yeah. So I sat yeah. in this room. This woman, I can't remember her name. She was really, really helpful. She said, okay, are you working? I said, yeah, I've got a couple of jobs, but I said, I'm doing it just enough. I mean, sometimes I need to put diesel in the van. And uh, I said, I've got some other stuff I might come up and I might, you know, always, always hoping there'd be light around the corner and I'd be able to earn a bit more money to pay the mortgage. Yeah. And she said to me, stop working. I said, well, how am I going <laughs> to, completely against everything I've ever done, yeah, stop yeah, working, yeah. she said. Yeah. If you stop working, we can help you. Well, what do you mean? So, well, all the time you're earning money, we can't apply for any of the funding to support you right, through this. Yeah, so, if yeah. you don't work, we can pay for you. We can get. We can pay your mortgage. Yeah. We can pay towards your rent side of it as well, and we can give you and get you on some some benefit payments to pay buy your food. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, what have I got to do? So, every Tuesday, you've got to go and sign on, uh, actively, but actively be looking for a job. Okay. I've never done that in my life, and never thought I'd be in a position enough to do mm. that. The hearing came along, she did all the talking. I don't know what happened, I still got the flat. Uh, and she told me that I've got to go and sign on Tuesday. And I, I, I walked up to the, um, the uh, job agency place, queued up outside. There was a, quite a long queue because everyone was in the same boat. Yeah, yeah, walked yeah. in, and there was a kind of computer that you could look through the jobs and you select all the jobs and then press print. And it prints like a long receipt, all the different jobs that you're interested in. Yeah. There was loads okay. of jobs on there, egg, you know, egg collecting. Um, slaughterhouse work and it was stuff were pretty gross and didn't pay very well but it was money and I could earn yeah. money so I printed off this receipt sat down this desk this lady and then she said oh, okay have you actively been didn't, she didn't even kind of acknowledge me she just went through the, the spiel <laughs> yeah. have you been actively looking for a job blah 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 yeah. yes I have this is the job put the receipt down she looked at it carried on typing and was like no, how do I apply for this job how do I I want one of those jobs and she's like well, I've had a look at your CV and the information we've got, and you actually you're too qualified for these jobs. I was like, well, I don't care about that. I do them. I do all of yeah. them, and I because I can do finish that one at, at it started early at like four in the morning, finished at twelve o'clock. I could then go on to that other one, which part time, and do that. Too. And then, yeah, then there's yeah. that one in the evening security work. But I said I could do all of them, and I do that because I knew I added it all up. And I knew if I did all those jobs, I could get myself out of where I was. But she wouldn't give me the jobs, she wouldn't even give me the contact details. Mm. She said, Those jobs are needed for people who haven't got your qualification. Yeah. So I haven't got any qualifications. So you've had your own business, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Got quite angry with the whole situation. I managed to stay in the doll for two weeks. I couldn't right. do it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So jacked it all in. Uh, then I had my hearing at the bankruptcy court. I went to that, um, queued up again, lots of people there, losing way more than I was losing. 
which put things into perspective. Yeah. I was made bankrupt, but the moment that judge and I was taken to court by a building company who I was, used to spend 13, 14,000 pound a month with, and they took me to court for 2,000 pound. Yeah. And this um, young sister of theirs sat there and said, yeah, Mr. Morphew owns, owes this much money, 2,500 pounds, whatever it was. Um, and the judge says to me, can you afford to pay? I said, sorry, I can't. So I haven't got any money. I said, give me more time. I'm trying to get some more work and I might be able to pay it. He said, what's the, re what's the reality of that, Tom? Mr. Morphew. And I said, well, I said, I've been trying for a while. I said, no, but I said there's just not enough work out there. He said, okay, well, can you afford it now or next week? And no, I can't. I said, okay, would you agree that you, you need to go bankrupt? And with very heavy heart, I agreed and, he said, okay, Mr. Morphew, from six minutes past 12 on the 16th of January, 2009, you are, I remember the exact time, you are bankrupt. Wow, yeah. And there was a bit of a pause, and I said, okay, what do I do now? I said, nothing. <laughs> you, you are now completely debt-free. And when he said those words, God, it was like someone had lifted a car off my chest. Yeah. It was such a relief. Yeah. I didn't have to, well, I could focus now on, doing something else or a different direction or building myself up again. Yeah. And uh, this little young um, solicitor said, well, we're still claiming cost. <laughs> solicitor <laughs> said, Mr. Moore, if you just leave the room, I'm going to um, have a chat with this solicitor who's um, made a slight error. That's what I was leaving oh, the room. Yeah, he absolutely yeah. tore him a new one. I like, oh, yeah, just yeah, made yeah. this man bankrupt. He's just lost everything and you're claiming expenses. Oh, you ridiculous. Yeah. So I kind of left with a you know, quite a heavy heart because it had all stopped. Naked Garden was no more. I'd gone bankrupt. The company I'd started when I was 18 and mm. right through to the age of 21, and, and I was super, super proud of it. The most, my biggest and most amazing achievement to date of, mm. of what, I, uh, what I've achieved. The Dyslexic Gardener had man yeah, I'd yeah, managed absolutely. to get my own business yeah. and buy my own flat. Yeah. I was super proud of it. Yeah. And what I was known locally for, you know, Tom Morphy, Naked Gardener, doing really well. You know, and and he, then, then the kind of depression really hit. And it was then. You know, I was massively ashamed of being bankrupt. Yeah. Even though looking back on it now, I had no reason to be ashamed at all. I'd worked bloody hard to build that up, and it kind of, uh, and I'd done way more than anyone else my age. Mm. Um, so it was world events, wasn't it? I mean, it yeah, wasn't, you yeah. Know, it's, it was it's, not, it's not something you did, was it? Well, yeah, yeah I, I kind of still look back yeah. at it now and think uh, I, that I could have put more things in place, and I could have possibly come out of it, but. Yeah. The reality was I would have needed probably 30, 40 grand saved up. And at the age of yeah. 22, I was no wise enough no. that kind of money. So if I did, no, I wouldn't exactly. be in a flat, I would have brought a house. So, so I would and, have still uh, had the same problem. Yeah, with the hindsight is twenty twenty vision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and I'm yeah. short-sighted. So <laughs> <laughs> no good at all. No hindsight yeah. at all. So, so um, yeah, I kind of got myself through that. And um, at the time, my, my, my girlfriend had left. And I was sitting in the flat by myself and my, my girlfriend was... Is everything to me, and you know, my absolute soulmate, who I who supported me for everything. She was absolutely incredible, and she left. She couldn't mm. deal with the stress and, and, and everything of it. We, you know, I don't blame her at all at all for for leaving. I would have left, um, but she she could see how damaged I was, and she would come back every other day and bring food parcels, make sure I was okay. eating, yeah, yeah. help clean. And she would come in and clean the flat. I would never leave the sofa. She would come <laughs> in, clean the flat, make a dinner, give me a kiss on the forehead, and go again. Because she just couldn't bear to see me be that broken. She's now my wife. Right. <laughs> she came back eventually. <laughs> okay. And, um, yeah. Yeah. She's my wife. We've been together for eighteen years, married for ten years in August, and we've got two little boys in a three-bedroom house. 
Brilliant. And I pay the bills quite comfortably every month now, but it's good to remember that and how strong we all can be eventually. Yeah. Given the right, given the right guidance and the right support, everyone can be a lot stronger, and that's why that sign is still hanging up in the shed there. Right, okay. To remind As me, a reminder, see, it yeah. can still go terribly wrong, but you can yeah. still come back from it. Yeah, uh, and we can all come back from it. You, you just need support. You know, the right. Per- yeah. Sometimes it's a single person. Sometimes it's a group. Sometimes it's a collection of people. Sometimes it's an army, and mm. that's what the Garden Army is about. Okay. It's a group of people uh, on this farm, um, and. We are all here to support each other. None of us are trained occupational therapists. No one here has any qualifications in how to deal with mental health. But we all yeah. have a, a common belief that if we're all together and we're all there for one another mm. and we're immersed in nature and we've got hands in the soil and we're growing food and we're eating that food, then that will help. Mm. And if, even if it's a little bit of help, it may be just enough to pick someone up to give them the confidence to help themselves and, yeah. and push on a bit longer. And that's sometimes all we need is just a, a place to go. And when I look back, if I just had a place to go where there were some like-minded people to take my mind off, and it wasn't the pub, because <laughs> that's where I went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and when you mix alcohol with depression, it's, it's not a good mix. Uh, it makes yeah, it worse. Yeah. Um, so having somewhere I could go, which was a healthy environment and, dare I say, caring uh, environment where people were you know you knew there was always been someone to talk to or somebody you could get involved with and even if mm. you didn't want to talk to somebody you could take yourself off on somewhere and do something by yourself yeah. knowing that once you got your head straight a bit or you got over your kind of mood that was going in your head you could come back and talk to someone have a cup of tea or whatever yeah. and that's what this place is about we're not we're not so, can we can we just can we step back a bit because you, yeah. you mentioned the garden army so um you know i've uh, I've come out here today, and I've seen two two separate sides or two different sides yeah. to, to to this little bit of uh, little bit of land that you've got here. Yeah. So one of them is the is the commercial and what a cracking idea. And I know you're gonna you're gonna mention it in a second. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, which is the the, the uh, full circle, isn't it? So full, yeah. full, full circle, circle farm. farms. Yeah. So so that's the first bit. But then I mean the garden army is really important, isn't it? Because you've already mentioned them, and you've said that you've been in a place where you know you felt really crap and just really depressed, and it's it's really hit, and you've helped. Um, so so how, how does this how does this all tie together? So the the original plan. I mean, it starts with it starts with horticulture. Um, so yeah. I. I had the vision to keep working hard, earn more money, get the house, yeah. get a nicer car. We've well, done I that, did because yeah. because you, because the girlfriend who's still there looking after you yes. has, has yeah. become your wife. Yeah, and, we, we, and we've done that. Yeah, yeah but, but now I've, you've gone back into corporate world, didn't you? It's sort of yeah. So now I've, now I've got the house, but I've now um, I've now decided I, well, I need to earn more money, which is a trap that we all find ourselves in. Apparently, you need to earn more money. Um, to have better things, and I fell in that trap. And I went and worked in the corporate world as yeah. a as a, a senior site manager, and not senior site, uh, uh, a sorry, what can remember the job title? I was a site manager basically yeah. on a landscaping project in central London, Elephant and Castle, two point seven million pound on an overall three point six billion pound project. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. It was a bit busy. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I got that job thinking, you know, that you know, this is the biggest paying job I've ever had. I was employed, had a pension, had a company van. I was in a really quite senior role, and I thought, oh, now I've made it. All my years yeah. of experience have led me to this point, and this is where you know, now I can earn good money. Yeah. And it didn't work. 
Yeah. Absolutely killed me. I found that I've, at one point I was I locked myself in the disabled toilet on the site because I couldn't face going out and started oh, wow. dealing with the stress of it. And I was physically yeah. sick. I was stopped on the way home just to be sick, which is all brought on by stress. I lost yeah. sight in one eye because of stress, you know. Um, and I come home to my wife and she'd take one look at me. This is the same woman who's seen me in this situation before. Yeah. And she said, Why are you doing this? Why? Why? And I was like, well, we need to earn more money. We can have a holiday. We can have this. Well, we don't because it's just killing you. I, I don't see you with the boys. And then I've got two little boys now at this stage. And so the boys aren't seeing you. I'm not seeing you. It's hard work for me. Um, and then at the weekend, you, you've you got headaches and you're yeah. being sick. And it's, why are you doing it? And but that, it's that very, very typical trap, isn't it? Where yeah. you, you're trying to build a life, but you've got no life building this life. Yeah. And then yeah, you think, yeah. well, when's it actually going to yeah. stop? I'm, I'm working my ass off to kill year, myself, yeah. to have a life that yeah. I'm not going to enjoy because I'm going to be... Because you're going to be dead. Chronically well, sick or dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, and this is the reality. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And, it, and it nearly got to that point. I mean, yeah. I was just so sick. And it was all stress-related. And, and um, my wife sat me down and she said, well, how much money do we need then? To, and I said, well, okay. We looked at all the bills, mortgages, mortgage and... Know, paying for the car, paying for you know, having a bit of money size in case for the MOT or service and things. Oh, we broke yeah. it right down to the bare minimum what we needed to, yeah. to, to keep what we had now to survive and have a holiday once a year. Yeah. And it was half of what I was earning. <laughs> so yeah. why was I doing it? Yeah. So, jacked in the job. Uh, and I'm still a strong believer and if you don't like your job, just jack it in. Can't <laughs> yeah. find something. Life's yeah. too short to be in a job that's miserable yeah. and crap. You know, yeah. So I jacked the job in, and she said, and my wife said to me, when were you really happy? Because she asked me the question, are you happy? No, I'm not. What do you want? I want to be happy again. Yeah. Which anyone from depression has, said, has uttered those words really before, yeah. and you just want to be happy. Yeah. And uh, she said, well, when were you happy? I was like, when I was, when I was gardening in Mrs. Batty's garden, that old lady yeah. right at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Yeah. Batty, Mrs. Deeds, yeah. Mrs. Green, all these old ladies. When I was just... Going around in my little Fiesta van, mowing lawns. Yeah. And I earned really good, really good money from that. And yeah. I thought, well, so why don't you do that then? Why don't you find a company, and she's, she's clever. She said, why don't you find a company that does that and go and work for them? She didn't want me to be self-employed again. <laughs> she hates yeah. me being self-employed because she, she's very good for money and very, everything's very organised and you can't yeah. do that when you're self-employed. You don't know when you're going to get paid or if you're going to get paid sometimes. Yeah. I said, well, I, Two things made me happy: being my own boss, being in control of my own destination, my yeah. own destiny, and, and and doing what I want when I want, yeah. having that freedom. So that's what I went back to doing. I went back and I started. I went back to the farm where I started my apprenticeship on in a little in a little Wolstead farm in Linfield. I spoke to Tony, who's the son of the farmer I used to deal with. I said, uh, Tony, uh, can I rent a field? He looks at me quite blankly. He said, I, I want to rent a field. He said, what do you want to rent a field for? I said, because oh, I'm going to grow some veg. And, he said, oh, and I told him the idea. And stupidly, he said, yes. Gave me this field. I set up. Um, I first originally set up with someone else who I met for another job um, who was collecting food waste. Um, and, I, and he wanted me to go work for him, and I said, well, give me a ring when you've outsourced the collection of your food waste, when you've got a big enough network, uh, and you could afford to pay me, because yeah. at the moment you can't. Yeah. He rung me three years later, just so I was taking on this farm, and he said, I've done it, I've, I've outsourced the food waste collection, I've got a really big network of customers, and they all want veg, are you still going to grow the veg? And I said, well, I am, yeah. I'm doing it, I'm doing it now. Yeah. 
So he came down, had a chat, we set up the farm. His role was to talk to all the fancy chefs in London uh, and his original idea was then to sell on the veg that I would grow. So I would grow, yeah. sell it to him and then he would be basically the middleman. I would get my money for the veg and he would, he would sell it on. Right? I said, I said, I've got a better idea. And we're in the pub having a Guinness at this point. I said, I've got a better idea. Let's collect the food waste, turn it into compost on the farm, put that compost directly onto the land. Yeah. And the original idea was then to plough it into the land, but I couldn't afford a tractor and a plough, so we'd just lay it on the surface yeah. and I'll plant directly into it. I said, but let's not sell the crop. He said, well, why? Uh, how else are we going to make a living? I was like, no, no, we're still going to make a living, but we're not yeah. going to sell the crop. He said, why? I said, well, some of these crops I've got to plant and wait maybe six, eight weeks before they mature and I can harvest them. Who's to say I don't get to kind of week four when a pest or disease wipes them out? So yeah. I don't get paid then. And if I've got lots of crops to do in that and they all die or get really bad weather and wake wipes out my farm if you like said I've got no money I said I've got a better idea so what is it we'll rent the plot we will rent an entire plot of land to a chef we will talk to the chef look at his menu and we will grow everything he's got on his menu and deliver it back to him and he has his own plot of land his own stamp on that land that is his plot all the veg produced on that plot goes to him it's either going to be absolutely tons of it he won't want to do with it or we're going to come unstuck and we're going to lose some but then we have to mitigate that and see if we can find some way around it that's the risk that both the farmer and the chef take on them. We yeah. both have this risk and it's shared yeah. amongst us. So I'm going to, yeah, referring to the, the, the video that we did a little bit uh, yeah. earlier on. So that's the bit with the Jerusalem artichokes. That's it. Uh, that, and then the potatoes. Yeah. So that belongs to a chef. Yeah, that belongs uh, to, yeah. And, or a restaurant. And yeah. then, so, so they'll grow it. Uh, and then well, uh, they don't grow it we grow oh, sorry, it sorry you, yeah, gr- you grow yeah, it yeah, we grow you it pick it but, it but it's their veg it's they've rented so, that so everything on so that four acre yeah. plot was in the video earlier yeah. everything on that four acre plot every single bit of that veg goes back to that yeah. client if that is too much yeah. veg for that client he can either donate it back to us and we sell it and that helps fund the garden army brilliant yeah. or goes yeah. into affordable veg boxes for people yeah. um, so families on low income can actually afford to have a decent veg yeah um but most of that veg will go to him and he can he can yeah. either use it in all his menus and, and everything or if he has a glut of something he can pickle it, preserve it for the following year yeah. or he can start selling the veg directly from the front of his shop or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. So the idea yeah. is that it's all his yeah. um, and, and that's how we kind of started. So we, so, and, it, and it took off. We had at one point 15 chefs. Um, I got to stay on the farm which is only two minutes from my house so I got to see the kids every day yeah. and they come down the farm <laughs> after school and things Fantastic. and drive around the tractor and all sorts. Yeah. And it was absolute heaven. Yeah. That was the, the real turning point. It was heaven. I absolutely adored it. I was outside every day. I got to see all the farmers I knew from years ago who were all really keen to help me out. And that's the only way I managed to get the business started. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I, I, needed to, I needed a tractor to, to grab a load of old polytunnels from another farm that I'd worked at uh, called Wowo's Cancer. It used to be a big strawberry farm. Yeah. And I helped set that up years ago with them, build paths and all sorts. I knew they had all these old polytunnels. I couldn't afford new ones. Yeah. But I couldn't fit them in my little trailer on the back of my little van. <laughs> but I knew a bloke yeah. had a big silage trailer. Yeah. Um, but he was always using his tractor. But I knew another farmer had a big tractor. And I rang him up, Bob, can I borrow your big tractor? Um, <laughs> and it's crazy. I look back at it now. Like, and it's, yeah, no problem. No, the keys, you know where the keys are. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a hundred thousand pound tractor. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember, and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah just, 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 yeah, just what you've done. Right? Yeah. It is mad, but that's yeah. the way the kind of yeah. 
Yeah. That's the way the kind of the farming community is. It's just a lot of trust nice, and helping yeah. each other out. Uh, it has it has been lost slightly because a new generation is coming, but we're trying to build it up uh, again. Yeah. So I'd go off to see Bob. I remember rock, I rocked up at the farm. And Bob, how are you doing? He looked too bad. He was like, um, could you take Betty? Uh, Bessie, sorry, Bessie was the, the smaller tractor. Okay, yeah. Because <laughs> you'd realise that this tractor was worth nearly like 100 grand. And he's like, I said, I'm not taking the big one. He's like, I said, okay, you can. I did say you could, but it's just I know that anything, if anything ever goes wrong with these big tractors, the bill is always two grand. Yeah. It could be a pipe, yeah, yeah, a yeah, sensor. Yeah. It always it ends up, it's yeah. thousands all the time. Yeah. He said, oh, just be careful. No one ever has ever taken the big one. I said, okay, it's fine. So I went off in the big one. Went around to my mate's farm, picked up his big trailer, went to the other farm, picked up all the hoops, came back to the farm, put the hoops up, welded them and hashed them up and made them into polytunnels. Uh, and we started growing loads of veg and it was great. Um, and then then it kind of, then there was, the, the problem started. Um, the bloke I was kind of in partnership with, was dealing with the chefs, he was coming back to me saying, oh, Tom, the chefs don't like the veg, oh, it's no good and it's really on poor quality. I think... I was a bit baffled by this. The stuff I was harvesting, the stuff I was pulling up was really bloody good. Yeah. I mean, I'm no chef, but I, stuff, I, I, yeah. it looked like good stuff. Well, you, you should know veg. You yeah, I know, I know veg, know and veg, I know it yeah. was good veg. Yeah. I was tasting it yeah. in the field. I knew it. it was really, really good. There was a few suspect leaves here and there, but this is a, yeah. a beyond organic farm. Um, so I thought it was a bit strange. And, and then he was saying that uh, he couldn't afford to, to pay me as much and all this. And I thought, this is, this is uh, something's wrong here. Mm. So... I kept. I wanted to originally to be in partnership with him and the business to be both of us, and we go 50 50. I'm the farmer, he's the bloke who deals and does the deliveries and talks to the chefs, and I thought well, yeah. that would be a good way to go. Um, but he didn't want to do it, and, and, there, was, and there was something about the situation that was making me feel really uncomfortable. And I'm in flashbacks to you know, 2009 and bankruptcy, and yeah. something's wrong here. And, I'm, and yeah. I, I now know that always to go to my gut feeling, and it just felt wrong, something felt wrong. And then we did a launch event for Lawn Perrier Champagne. And um, one of the chefs came down. I can't mention his name. Uh, but he came down and um, he was coming down. And uh, this, this fellow I was in business with, he said, oh, when he gets here, can you just show him around his plot? I said, we haven't got a plot for this chef. He said, oh, yeah, but he won't know. Don't worry about it. Mm. Just show him the, one of the big plots and that's, that can be his. I said, no, all the plots are dedicated to it. He said, what's going on? I said, each yeah. plot is dedicated to a chef. They've got their names on them. I've written the names on the plots. He said, oh, don't worry, we'll take the names off and just tell him it's his plot. And that was that was a bit of a, a, red, yeah. a red light to me. And I thought, there's something wrong here. So I started Full Circle Farms. I registered the company, started it, and I started an Instagram account, Full Circle Farms. Oh, well, it was Full Circle Farms back then. Full Circle Farmer Tom, whatever it was. Um, and all the chefs I was working with found out about the account and started following me. And once one Michelin star chef finds out who yeah. you are, his mate follows me. They all yeah, followed me. Yeah, and I knew that I was supplying some of the, I was growing I wasn't I was growing veg for some of these chefs. I was supplying them. So I started doing videos and photos and it would be me pulling up a lovely beetroot on a cold Monday morning. Fourteenth you know, of fourteenth uh, yeah. of February, frosty morning, and I put this in the diary yeah. so we know for next year or whatever. And I was purposely saying the date and the time. Yeah. And there's a picture of me on my farm holding it, yeah. and it, that was now documented on Instagram. All these mm. chefs can see that. So when they get that beetroot on Thursday, yeah, they only know why it's soft and limp and flavourless because it's sat in my mate's van. Yeah. For all that all, all the way through the week. Yeah. And sometimes it wasn't even the same produce. Right. So they were getting produce sometimes. So, where did you get the heritage carrots from? This bloke's name. Uh, he said, "Oh, Tom's going on the farm." 
I haven't seen it on Tom's Instagram. Where are the carrots from? No, the Tom's going on the farm. And then a message on Instagram. Tom, are you going to heritage carrots? No, no, none for you. No, I've got any heritage stuff on the farm at the moment. You've, you've got normal Nate orange carrots. Do, yeah. do, I say, do you want heritage carrots? I can start selling some. So, no, no, I just had some delivered. And, and this fella said that it came from the farm. It's like, not from my farm, mate. Right. And it turns out this bloke was going to Covent Garden Market, oh, right. buying wholesale veg, rolling yeah. it in compost, make it all dirty, and delivering it to the farm. Oh, Cuts nice. out the middle man, yeah. doesn't have to pay me, and he's yeah. but he's still using me as the front man to make yeah. it out to be beyond organic. So, yeah. cut a long story short, got rid of him. Um, kicked him off the farm. And he tried to take me to court, spent thousands of pounds with solicitors. Again, Probably, loads and loads yeah. of stress coming back now. Yeah. And, and it's starting now, it's not fun. Um, but uh, one of the chefs, Robin Gill, um, said, Tom, can, can you come up and come up at, uh, up to London to, to the dairy? And let, let's, I want to have a chat. Oh, Christ, he's going to give me a bollock. And I'm, going to, I've got to, I'm thinking in my head, I've got to, I, I, I need to tell him the truth of what's happening because yeah. so I don't want him to think this is me doing this. Yeah. Uh, so I went out and the first thing he says is, I know it's not you. We know it's this other fella. I was like, oh, okay, cool. He's like, yeah, we want to work direct with you. And this, actually, this happened just before I got rid of the other bloke. He said, uh, mm. I said, well, look, at the moment, he, the money he pays me is, you know, I'm paying the mortgage and stuff. If I get rid of him, I've got no income. He's like, oh, no, we're, yeah. we're pay you directly. We'll work directly with you. So yeah. I've got four more restaurants I'm going to open next year and yeah. I want you to supply all of them. Okay, so I'm going to do this. I'm gonna do this then. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we're you know, we're we're pay for you each month to to grow our veg and deliver it like you are now. You deliver it back to us. We shook hands. Yep. I'm still working in five years later. Brilliant. Um, absolutely amazing. So, so now you cut out the middleman. Yeah, I cut out. Yeah, <coughs> I cut out the middleman. Work direct yeah. with the chefs, and that yeah. is what all the chefs want. They don't want a middleman. They want to know. Uh, they want to come and talk to Tom, the bloke yeah, who's growing good, their yeah. veg. Yeah. Or they want to talk to Ross or one of our other farmers. They can come yeah. to the farm and see whoever's yeah. looking after their plot and have that real connection yeah. where their food's coming from, who's growing it, who's caring exactly, for it. Yeah. And even the bloke who's delivering it is dropping yeah. it on the doorstep, having the chat yeah. of them. Like, you know, this is the last box of carrots. You know, do you want me to sow some more? You yeah. know, or do you, uh, they, I know we're going to change it on the menu now. We know we've only got one more box left. We'll change the menu and we'll go to something else and I'll tell you what else yeah. is going to be ready in the next couple of weeks. And there's that real connection of working with the seasons, working directly with the farmer and the land, and it took off. Um, so, so that's, that's, the, that's, that, that's, the, that, that's, that's one piece, and I think the piece that, um, that I want to get to, so uh, is, uh, you know, we, we, we're sat here, we're sat on the farm, I'm hoping that maybe people have heard in the background, because we're in Sussex, we're near Gatwick, so there's a couple of planes gone over, yeah. but mostly you can hear the birds, I think if we... There we are. Yeah, a little Robin bit of birds. Robin in the background. Um, your, your dog Ronnie's been about uh, yeah. as, as well. He's now having a nap in the sun. <laughs> He's now having a nap in the sun. Um, you know, I'm just trying to paint a picture here for people. So, you know, as the odd tractor's gone past, it's lovely and quiet out here. But as well as that, um, you know, in front of me now, there's just tray upon tray upon tray of, of veg. Um, and I can see some uh, flowers as well. Um, I can see all sorts. And also the, 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 the people that you have down here. Now, this is this is the garden army side of it isn't it mm, this yeah. is the care farm can you just just tell us a bit about the the, the garden army piece of it so once once everything had been sorted with this old business partner and i managed to keep the farm the idea was that once the, the kind of farm was built i wanted to use it as in, in the, the first idea was just to use it as a training place or a, or a yep. place to educate kids on where their food came from 
Um, and I had a friend of mine called Dave, um, Dave G, who lived just up the road from the farm, and he would come down the farm quite regularly and have a cup of tea and a chat. And we'd chat on one day, and I said, how can we come down there so much, Dave? We've got work to do, taking this and things. <laughs> and he was an ex-military policeman. Um, and he said, yeah, I have, I'm a bit of a bad day, and I didn't think anything of a bad day, but you know, it turned up he had he suffered from PTSD, and he told me about PTSD, and he yeah. had seen some pretty hideous things, and some of that stayed with him, and, and it affected him. And, and he found coming down the farm, just sitting under a couple of these, just took his mind off for a bit, and that was that was his coping mechanism. Come sit on the farm and have a cup of tea, yeah. and we got chatting and uh, about PTSD and, and people who are suffering from it, and. Uh, he said he had a couple of friends who suffered really bad from PTSD. They're agoraphobic, stuck indoors, uh, loads of triggers and things, and they're in a really bad way. And I said, "Well, do you reckon if we could, we could open the farm and, and do this for ex-military boys and girls, you know, mm. come bring them to the farm and work as a team again? And do you reckon it helped?" And I said, "Yeah, I think it would." And we got chatting, and then I had another couple of people come to the farm. One lad who had a really bad head injury. Like some nurses from the Princess Royal Hospital got in contact and said, "Come, we're going to bring this patient down." And we found every time we take him outside the hospital, he kind of wakes up a bit. And I wonder if we could bring him to your farm. It's in pictures. Looks amazing. And they brought him down and um, came out of the car and shook his hand. And I walked around with him and had a chat with him. Uh, the nurses just stood there and watched. And I walked around, came back with him, and um, I said, "Oh, we've had a chat." And, yeah, I said, I think he's enjoying it. And like, we've never seen him. He hasn't spoken for the last six months. I said, I said, well, he's just been chatting to me all the way around. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, said, he knows yeah. what polytunnels are. <laughs> yeah. And I said, what do you mean? I was like, well, he we kept saying polytunnels. I know them. I know that's. I know that's a polytunnel. Yeah. Like it was a new thing, new memory had come back to him. And uh, I said, he. I think he's worked in this industry. Right. Turned out he, he had. Um, he had. He had worked up north in some organic farm somewhere or something, and uh, I never found out the full story. I lost contact with him, but basically he had had a massive head injury, and this head injury got infected and affected his brain, and they didn't know who he was, where he was from, or anything. Wow! Yeah. By coming to the farm, it relaxed him and and jolted his memory, mm. and um, he started to remember that he was a he was he was an organic grower. He was a farmer yeah. like me, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and uh, <laughs> eventually they got him they got him back to his family and yeah, wherever brilliant. he was from. Yeah. It was incredible. And that's what kind of really led me on to like, well, okay, with this growing veg is one thing, producing eggs and meat is one thing, but yeah. all of this can help people. Yeah. So me and Dave got chatting. I said, well, what if we start another little company which is based on the farms that I build? So if I get more chefs, I can build more farms. If I can build more farms, they're more places for people to be healed on, mm. and it can help yeah. them. Yeah. And we decided it was a great idea, um, and we started. We came up with the name the Garden Army. Uh, an army of people, predominantly it was going to be um, ex-military, but then we looked into the causes of PTSD and who suffers, and it's such a wide range of people. It, so I don't it want to, is, it's it? not, yeah. let's not restrict yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we opened the door, yeah, I do is open the doors to everyone from who has any kind of mental illness or physical disability. So you can, it can all be done on the farm. We're adapting yeah. the farm to, to suit everyone, and that's what we do here. Mm. So that was the idea. Um, and then Dave went and crashed his truck, the silly sod. Um, <laughs> didn't, it wasn't a bad crash. Um, but uh, it, 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 um, I, I heard he crashed the truck. I went to see yeah. him. Um, he said, I said, how did you manage to crash the truck? He said, I, I, don't know. I don't know what happened. I, they're going around a bend and, uh, and uh, crashed. So I, I got out and he hit the yeah. deck. Couldn't get up. Wow. And he was kind of paralyzed yeah. on the floor. And he was telling his wife was with him and he said, no. 
make make the patient safe and he went for all his drill in his head of what he's done with his policemen and things and yeah they took him away in an ambulance and gave him a full scan and everything to find out what, what had gone on with him and uh, it turned out uh, dave had a massive brain tumor wow they've gone on okay. yeah, yeah, for yeah, so yeah. long and this was the, the first sign yeah. of it we did a load of tests and things and um unfortunately it was stage four and there was going to be no kind of real saving of the likelihood yeah. that it was going to take his life Dave didn't accept that and he pushed on there this kind of military um, motto, never VW, never voluntary withdraw, yeah, don't ever yeah, give yeah. up. Um, by this stage, obviously the Garden Army has now gone to the wayside, we've got more important things to think about and he needs to get, to just stay strong as long as he can. And he did, and he was an absolutely incredible man. And he'd, he'd come down to the farm, every time he'd come down to the farm, uh, you know, I'd notice different things about him, he was getting, you know, getting weaker or his face was getting fatter and that steroid he was on and we used to take the piss and call him fatty and all sorts and he, uh, we were always laughing and joking about it but we all knew that yeah. the bottom line was he wasn't going to make it eventually um he told you know, he never never ever said that not once he always said he was going to beat it and always going to fight it and things um and he kept coming to the farm and then by this time i'd taken on a, an investor um turned out they weren't very nice people uh, and by this stage towards the end of dave's life they were they were they had had basically made a bid for a hostile takeover, and they were trying. They were trying to take. They very cleverly taken the farm, taken my employees, and they were trying to take the business name and everything else. Right. Yeah. Um. I by now I'd had um, a suspected heart attack for, from stress from trying to deal with it and trying yeah. to save my dream. The farm was my absolute dream. It was everything I ever wanted. Yeah. You know, this to do this and help people. Um. And Dave came down the farm. It was probably, the, I think, the second to last time he was able to get to the farm. And mm. I was talking to him about it, and he could see he was slightly broken. He said, "Don't ever forget." So they can never, they can, they can never VW, never voluntary or Don't give in. So they can take the farm, they can take the silly employees, but they can't take you. They can't take your ambition, Absolutely. your drive. Yeah. They cannot ever break you. Yeah. And that stayed with me. And um, when he died. Um, it kind of that still stayed with me, and I went to his funeral dressed in a brand new John Deere overalls. <laughs> Everyone was, he, he put strict instructions on everyone was to wear black. Yeah. Everyone did though. Uh, I was yeah. the only one in bright yeah. green, <laughs> but everyone laughed, and he yeah. would have wet himself. Good. And he came in on the back of a John Deere tractor as well, bless him. Yeah. But that's what really, really kick-started it. And yeah. He came to farmers that helped him. Other people came to farmers that helped them, and it helped me as well. And I remember yeah. then it helped me. Yeah. So, Garden Army got started. Um, well, we took on this place in January, but I'd started, launched the Garden Army, registered the company two months before. Through support and uh, and kind words from people, I told this story to when I've been doing the tours at Birch uh, mm. Hotel up near Enfield. And everyone was like, Ooh. you know, you've got to start the Garden Army, you've got to start it. I will, I will do it. I will. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I didn't start it. And here we are now. We've got this amazing care farm. We've got people from all walks of life coming here and it's helping all of them. And I don't I don't know what half these people have got going on in their head or why they're here, but yeah. they're here and they've all got smiles on their face. I'm looking at them now, they're all yeah, potting yeah. up, they're all, there's four of them standing there. I can, there. See, I can see they're all busy. They're yeah, all busy, <laughs> potting on, nattering, having a laugh, smiling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This yeah. is helping them in some way or another. Yeah. And you don't need to be a fully qualified occupational therapist for this. Yeah. I don't need to be a trained doctor. I don't need to be a physiotherapist. I don't need to be any of that. I'm a gar dyslexic gardener sitting here watching yeah. people garden, and they're happy. But the thing is, as well, though, Tom, is that um, you don't have to be a gardener either, do you? No, you or don't. No, no, none of these so, are so gardeners, isn't it? No, exactly. So yeah. you know, or, or, yeah. or, or into that. So yeah. Um, you know, can anybody come down? 
anybody can come down from all walks yep. of life you don't have to have any mental health problems or wellness problems you can be fully fit and able you cannot be fully fit and able it doesn't matter yeah. you can come down here you can get involved and you know, we've got a few rules yep. just be courteous to other people be happy once a week make a cake for me <laughs> <laughs> i'd be willing to just be willing to be open and chat and be there for anyone else who might need a hand and yeah. help as well and that's what this is about the garden army is self-therapeutic yeah. i don't need to do anything people do it themselves i just yeah. create a place for people to come every week and yeah. get involved with gardening i just make sure i've got the materials here for people to get involved with the jobs yeah. plants for people to plant yeah. tea and coffee yeah job done um, i think it's idea i mean and, and i keep saying about because today is a lovely warm day isn't it it's absolutely, <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful yeah i think i think we can hear them in the background as well laughing and joking yes, which it, is really it, great it's, it's nice to hear as well as the yeah the camaraderie uh, well the is built and, in no time else. yeah yeah it's, it's um, happening it's out there so yeah. it's it's really, it's really lovely and we're, we're yeah. currently sitting under the skeleton of our polytunnel we've just started putting up eventually yes, the massive one yeah the so this will be polytunnel. covered yeah. with plastic i yeah. think next week yeah. So come the winter, we can still sit in yeah. there and have a cup of tea and still be yeah, busy. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and as well, yeah. this is an all-year-round thing. This isn't just for the summer, spring, and summer. This is all year round. We'll be yeah. here. Uh, yeah. Farming doesn't stop. Things always need to be dealt with. You know, grow, they can't stop yeah. stuff growing. And you can hear the squeaky wheelbarrow. The squeaky wheelbarrow is coming down. So this yeah. is WD40 that you yeah, need to get, is, out, yeah. get out now. So. so this is everyone coming back. They've been down yeah. in the bottom field in the commercial plot, helping us down there. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's, it's keen to. It's good. It's an educational thing. People can kind of see one side of the farm the commercial side and how they both help each other out the commercial yeah. side helps fund the, the care farm side yeah. of things uh, and so everyone's here working and busy and they're all coming back up now because it's probably time for us to to tidy up and go and have a beer oh, no, so we've yeah. got a brewery on site yeah. which is quite handy so we're going to go down there <laughs> i've just seen the food trucks go past oh, okay, okay, okay. everything's, everything's all going on everything's, everything's all going all on happening. so now we'll be so, kind of yeah. tidying up and then this is another nice part of the day we're now all together yeah we're slightly tired and we're going to sit down the bottom in the beer garden uh, we'll have a beer or a soft drink and they've got some really good food vans down there so there's some American barbecue thing down there today oh, um, okay, so cool. some decent food sit around chat uh, and then people then gradually filter off and yeah it's just yeah. me and the dog left in the day yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. and it all starts again every every Friday at the moment but eventually we're going we're to put in some more weekdays as Brilliant. the demand grows where we're starting eventually it'll be every single day the farm will be open people will come along um, Brilliant. and get involved appreciate that yeah. Um, Tom, uh, thanks ever so much. What I'm going to do is uh, in the blurb, I'll put down uh, obviously the link to the video that we yeah. that we made earlier, uh, so people can learn a little bit more about uh, about the farm and they can actually see it, uh, and the Instagram and also your websites as well, yeah. and uh, any information that uh, that you want to give me. So um, really appreciate. It. Thanks ever so much for your time. No problem. Uh, and impo most importantly, thanks for uh, inviting me down. Or right. letting me come down and chat to you. That's <laughs> cool. Um, although I will say that uh, within about uh, 90 seconds, I had my hand in a load of uh, dirt, uh, <laughs> potting up some. Uh, what were we potting up this morning? Oh, you got uh, the, tomatoes? The smaller ones. Uh, it wasn't tomatoes, but it was something else. Oh, chilies. You got some it was chilies. the chilies, yeah. yeah we were potting chilies. up tomato. Yeah. Uh, uh, potting up chilies. So, yeah, uh, so but, you have um, got your hands dirty as well. I know, got my hands dirty and that's as well, good for yeah, you. So thank you very much. <laughs> I really appreciate it, Tom. Thanks ever so much. No problem. Well, I really hope that you enjoyed that episode. And don't forget, if you want to see the video, follow the link in the blurb and that will take you to the YouTube video where Tom showed us around the farm and around the market garden. Thanks ever so much for listening. 
Uh, join us on Instagram on NJ Confidential 74 and I'll see you again soon.